On this edition of the Deseret News, Ute Insiders Podcast, we talk basketball. The Utes have a big trip to Los Angeles this week. We also talk about attendance. Why are more people not flocking to the Huntsman Center to see the Utes play? It's National Signing Day will be addressed. We talk about the Red Rocks. And Dan Sorensen, recruiting expert, joins us for a Utah by Five segment. This and more on the Deseret News, Ute Insiders Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast, sponsored by the Salt Lake Stallions. The Salt Lake Stallions home opener is February 23rd at Rice Eccles Stadium against Arizona. Get your tickets by calling 1-833-AAF-2019 or go to saltlakestallions.com. Now to the podcast. Dirk Facer here, joined by Mike Sorensen and Trent Wood. Guys, how are you? Great. We're doing great. Yeah, doing good. Let's jump right into basketball since we were talking football. Um Mike, the Utes, uh, you went on that trip. Uh, they did well at Stanford and Cal, but they came home and kind of laid an egg against the Oregon schools. Kind of funny how things change in a week. You know, uh, I, I was, after those two games, I thought, oh, they could win almost every game the rest of the way. Now I think they could lose every game the rest of the way after what happened last week because they're just, it looks like almost like two different teams, you know. And it just shows that they're kind of a mediocre team, kind of a, a 500 team. They're going to win a couple. They're going to lose a couple. So I think, you know, they're still going to win some games, but they're basically going to probably finish about 500 this year and probably be out of the top four for a change. Yeah, Trent, do you see them as a 500 team? Do you think things will get better? I mean, it's what they've been all year, right? And so I don't know at this point of the season that you can expect them all of, all of a sudden to be better than what they've been. Well, they go to USC and UCLA this week. Uh, and then they come home and I think play the Arizona schools, and then they have a trip to Washington. These next five games, none of them look easy, Mike. That's why I said they could they could lose all of them, you know. And a, a little while ago, we thought they might be seven and two right now. Well, they're just hanging on just above five hundred. They could be easily be under five hundred, and then they just gotta they have really no easy teams left. I mean, they got Colorado on the road, but that's going to be tough. Uh, they don't really have any, uh, you know. They've, they've all the easy teams are, are pretty much gone. Maybe Washington State they can win that game on the road, but you know they'll they'll win. A couple of these games, but it's going to be a tough road, road the rest of the way. You think, uh, Coach, after the last game, Kristoviak said that uh, the Utes lack toughness and that next play mentality. Do you see that with the turnovers? I mean, there's been some big runs in both of those Oregon games where Utah went scoreless for several minutes, gave up, uh, turned the ball over, gave up a lot of points. Is that all about next play mentality in your mind, Mike? I think a lot of it's just the fact they're so young. You know, they got so many freshmen out there, and they just kind of don't know what they're doing sometimes. And and then also Cedric Bearfield. You know, I love the guy. He's a great guy to talk to, and he when he's on, he's he's one of the best shooters around. But he almost just seems so, so casual out there the way he plays. Sometimes he's kind of cool, and I think he just maybe you have to be a little more intense, and maybe that uh, goes over to the rest of the team sometimes. I know Parker Van Dyke's pretty a pretty intense player, but the whole team needs to be a little bit more that way. I think. Well, Kristovic talked about a sense of urgency and obviously in any sport Trent that makes a big difference doesn't it? For sure I mean they have to be able to approach every game like it is really really important to their season I don't know if they've done that every game. Yeah and you know and even to break it down further Kristoviak uh, breaks it down to every single play you know that they need to play with a sense of urgency on every single play and if the opposition's going on a 6-0 run you know all the mentality has to be stopping that and making a stop and then you know turning things around do you think they're capable of that mike or are they still so young that they're going to learn and maybe next year they'll say boy last year we should have done this or that well i think definitely next year is going to be much better than this year and i think they just have to kind of figure things out as far as you know the this the turnovers are, are tough and they really don't have much of an inside game this year you know jace johnson and and you know 
Tupolovich, you know, they're just, they haven't really done that much, you know. And, and when they do get the ball, you know, Jace is just kind of, he just seems so hyper out there, you know. He loses the ball after, under the rim, and he's a great rebounder, but they, they need to definitely improve inside, I think. And then these other guys, maybe they just have to go to a, maybe put Riley Batten at the middle and go to a smaller lineup. Maybe that would help this year, but I don't think they'll be better next year. All right, before we move on to the next segment, how do you see them doing this week? Can they win a game or two in Los Angeles? Um, I wouldn't bet on it, you know. USC's right up there in the, you know, they've, uh, they're the, kind of toward the top of the standings. UCLA's been off and on. Uh, that might be the one they might grab. But they could win one of those two games. The fact they beat Arizona State, um, but they're not going to win both of them. What do you think, Trent? Yeah, I mean, it seems like this team wins when you don't expect them to and lose when you do. So they'll beat USC, right? <laughs> they could be. It'll be exciting. Well, I'm excited to get out of this snowy weather and enjoy that uh, balmy California sunshine. I hear it's been raining every day down there, though, yeah, so I'll, don't expect it. So. I'll take it over snow. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys, so moving on to the next part. Let's talk about attendance at Utah basketball games. Mike, you're probably the resident expert here. Crowds have been down. Sometimes they put their curtains down and, you know, trying to make it look like there's more folks there. What's going on up there? Is, is Utah basketball uh, no longer as popular as it used to be? Well, I think that's definitely evident by if you go to the games. And it's, uh, you know, we talked about this in the past weeks. And it's kind of a sore spot with me. That, you know, like I read, I, I didn't go to the game Saturday because I was covering a jazz game that day. But I see they had 11 Eleven eight that day or something. Eleven five and that's what they said. That's what they said. But <laughs> if it, uh, the thing is, as you look out in the crowd, there's just tons of empty red seats. And so maybe they're season ticket holders and they just don't come, you know. And so that's uh, it has been, I would say, underwhelming. You know, like it says, the way just have fans are just not coming out like they used to. And winning definitely will help that. You know, I think that's going to make a big difference if they win more. But they're just the interest seems to be down. Also, uh, I think we're becoming more of a, of a fo- football state and a football. Maybe university since they've had so much success. Trent, you're from a vastly different generation than Mike and I, being a young guy in that. Uh, does college basketball move the needle for for millennials? I mean, as far as my experience goes, maybe the regular season not as much unless you're at a school, but I mean, definitely March Madness occupies everybody's minds. And I still think if you have a team that is competitive nationally, not just in the Pac-12, but if Utah could get to a point where like they were a national name again, I think Utah fans would go and be super pumped to go to Utah basketball basketball games. I think they just haven't been a national contender in any shape or form really for what, 20 years? Well, you know, it was just a couple of years ago they were in the Sweet 16. So I know, but I still think they have to do more than that and they have to do it multiple times. One Sweet 16 run, I don't think does it. Does it for you? Okay. Yeah, the problem is that's not going to happen unless you are Kentucky or Kansas or Duke. You know, those teams run it every year. Uh, they look around the rest of the country, there's not really that many places where they can do it for an extended uh, period of time. And, you know, I covered the Majerus years from 1990 to 2004. They went to the NCAAs every single year. They went to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the Final Four, the championship game. And so that was a, quite a run. And they, they had 14,000 people every night. Um, you know, So that may happen again, but I don't think that they're ever going to have a run like that again. So if they don't, they're, never, they're just not going to have a you know the, the attendance they've had in the past. And just, I think, basketball itself, I've just noticed that over the years that I've covered it and watched it. It's kind of just, it's not a, a big of a deal as it used to be. If you go clear down to you know high schools, when I played in, in high school, 40 years ago, you know, they used to pack the, these gyms, you know, right to the rafters. And now you go to these games and, and they don't even open up the top part. So, I mean, it's just kind of a general trend that people are interested in other things. There's more things to do. So I think the basketball is suffering as a result of that. Chet, is it television or the jazz or would they both have impacts? 
Probably both. I think it's hard to narrow it down to both. I, to one, I mean, I know the Jazz are beloved in Utah, and they sell out a ton, and people want to go to those games, and I'm sure that plays a part, and watching it on TV is easier. But I always go back to, there's no better atmosphere than a college basketball game, I think. When it's packed and people are excited, I don't think any sporting event compares. Any any other reason you think, Mike, that attendance has dropped if you had to, I mean we can talk about all these factors and all that does it really just come down to winning or, or is the jazz and the fact that all the games are on tv and the fact that college football is getting more popular are all those things just adding up or can you think of any other thing that I, I just think it's it's society you know the fact that back in the day people the thing you did when you're in high school or college you go to the basketball game now the thing to do is just stay at home and play with your phone and play video games so i mean that's just society i think that's a lot of it it's just that people aren't as interested in sports and so and they can watch them on tv you know back when uh, i was in college you, you had a game of the week on saturday afternoon and that's the only time you could see them on tv now every game's televised isn't it so right. i mean why go why bother and if it's snowing outside go up to the game when you can stay home and watch it on television so that's another huge factor i think television just makes it easier to just watch it at home and not not bother going up to the game. Trent, do you think in general the the one and dones that happen like at Duke and we don't see it a lot out here, obviously. But has that had an impact on the popularity of college basketball? Because you don't really get to know the guys on the team because they're there. From, you know, Zion Williamson, guys like that are going to be one and dones. See, I think you could argue that, but then Duke and Kentucky would prove that that's not true because they're the ones that always do have the one and dones. And what right. college basketball teams are more popular than Duke and Kentucky? Good point. And every uh, NBA fans care about Duke and Kentucky because they look at them as the schools that have their future NBA players. So I don't know if that is actually as big a deal as people like to make it out to be. All right. Well, we're going to jump back to football. But before we do, just another reminder that you can get Salt Lake Stallions season tickets at saltlakestallions.com or by calling one 833 aaf Reminder, their home opener is February 23rd against Arizona. Guys, National Letter of Intent Day is tomorrow. We've done the podcast a day early, um, but uh, in talking to experts in that, Utah is kind of excited about the possibilities uh, that they may get uh, tomorrow. There's at least seven guys that have Utah in contention. You know, they're in their final three, make their decision most likely on Wednesday. But can you guys get up for Letter of Intent Day, or is the early signing period kind of uh, put a damper on it? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Before the two, before the early signing day, I thought Letter of Intent Day basically should have been a national holiday. Because it was great. It was great to have all these players commit, got people excited about their team. Now it does seem to be a little bit a little bit not as interesting because people have already signed most of the top commits in the country. Mike, the Utes uh, had a small senior class this year, obviously. I think 11 seniors. Not a lot of signees. They're probably going to have a lot of missionaries in this group and things like that. But uh, how do you see things coming into place? Obviously, they were able to sign a quarterback transfer from Texas, Cameron Rising. They got a linebacker from Penn State, uh, Manny Bowen. I mean, they're getting some non-traditional guys in the system, but uh, from what you've read and seen, what do you anticipate uh, this week from the Utes? Well, I anticipate that Utah is going to say that it's a terrific recruiting class, one of the best ever. And I think every other school in the state and in the nation is going to say the same thing. So you really, you know, I hate to be uh, you know, cynical about it. I, I will say, ask me again in 2023, you know, and then, then we'll figure out how good was this recruiting class because that's when you really find out who sticks around, who actually turns out to be good. But I think Utah has a solid, you know, program. And I think every year that they've been getting some great, you know, these players from California and Florida and Texas. And, you know, this quarterback, who knows if he's, he's good. I mean, they've got a couple other good quarterbacks in the program. So is, is he going to end up being, uh, you know, third string like that that guy, the Alabama guy that came from Alabama, the local kid? I'm not thinking of his name right now, but, uh, you know, comes in and, and sits around for, for a year and doesn't get to play. 
Cooper Bateman. Cooper Bateman. Thank you. There you go. Uh, so, you know, and then he, this guy may come, and if he doesn't get to play, he may leave again. But, uh, no, it's good to have depth there because quarterback is an important, one of the, maybe the most important position on a, on a college team these days. And so if you have a solid quarterback, you know, you're going to be a, a pretty good team. And so they got to be happy about that. And then this kid that, like you say, the linebacker from Penn State, that's kind of a hole that they got to fill there. And then these other guys are most going to be young guys that will just be playing, and we'll find out in a couple of years, you know, what how good they are. Trent, do you think Cameron Rising is a good replacement for Jack Tuttle? Obviously, he's got a set out of year of transfer rules, but he kind of came in that same class and was rated almost as high as Jack Tuttle by these rating services. I mean, this is obviously, I think it's a coup for Utah to be able to fill a hole like that. Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't think you can complain about great quarterback depth. I don't think there's a school in the country that doesn't want three or four quarterbacks that they could play. So the fact that Utah, who was pretty shallow in quarterback after Tuttle left, got somebody like him, I think that's only a positive. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to to see and he and Jason Shelley are competing for that job and uh, you know Shelley seems to answer the bell when they needed him to so it'd be a good competition. It's also going to be interesting to see how, you know, with the new coordinator, how, you know, I think uh, he might have a different philosophy and maybe we'll want to see more of a, a drop-back type passer than, as opposed to how it's been the last couple years when they want, wanted more of a running athletic quarterback. So the philosophy might change and maybe this guy will get a better chance to, to play more. It'll be interesting to see what happens and that's, uh, that's why we follow the Utes, right? It's always interesting. All right, let's move on to the next segment and this is your area of expertise, Trent, the Red Rocks. Uh, fill us in on what's going on. Yeah, I mean they are they're starting the year really well. They've scored a 197 team score in their first five meets, which had never happened before in program history, which considering the history of Utah gymnastics is pretty impressive. Um, they've shown that they could be really, really good, and they have also shown that they have not been up to their potential yet. So this could be one of those special years for Utah. Okay, speaking of special years, could this be the year they finally break through and win a national championship again? It's been a while. It's going to be hard, and they changed the postseason format in gymnastics, which is going to make it even harder. And there are teams like Oklahoma and UCLA who are just loaded with incredible gymnasts, but I do think Utah has a chance. They have a legitimate shot this year as opposed to maybe the past few years they haven't. Is it depth or what's what's the difference? What would what are the rule changes? How do they you know give other teams an advantage over Utah? I mean, Utah always has a small gymnastics team. Some teams have more gymnasts than them. UCLA and Oklahoma both have larger teams than them. Utah has more depth this year, and they've been healthier this year, which has let them actually be able to compete at their best. And Michaela Skinner is injured right now, but uh, expect her back. Is she expected to be 100% by the time the Nationals rolls around? She has a hurt foot at the moment, a hurt ankle. There's a fluid buildup just from all the tumbling she does. She's competing on all the events but floor right now, and they said that she'll likely compete on floor in the near future and if if they want they can sit her out on whatever they want because Utah's still going to be able to get towards the end of the year even without Michaela Skinner. And they kind of have a fun activity uh, planned for the meet this weekend don't they? They do I mean I saw something about red lightsabers so if you love Star Wars you should go and it's character <laughs> night and I mean I won't dress up as a character but everybody who goes should. That begs of the question if you could dress up as a character who would it be and why? You know <laughs> I have no idea at all Dirk I'll have to think about that. Captain America maybe? something i mean i'm growing my hair to maybe look like his so i guess captain america is the guy let's let's do something safe and positive right all right we're gonna switch back to football and one last reminder the the salt lake stallions have their home opener february 23rd against arizona get your tickets by calling 1-833- 
AAF 2019 or go to com. Our Utah by Five segment uh, joined by recruiting expert Dan Sorensen of UteZone.com and he had some interesting things to say about how he got into the business and what he expects the Utes to do this week. I'm Tom Barberi and it's time for Utah by Five where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. Alright, we're joined on our Utah by Five segment this week by my friend Dan Sorensen, uh, publisher of UteZone.com. Dan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I got to know, how did you become the recruiting guru in the state of Utah? <laughs> uh, it's kind of you to say that. Yeah, I, so I've been covering University of Utah football recruiting probably longer than anybody else on the planet. I've been doing this for nearly 15 years. I started the same year that Kyle Whittingham started. And, and, and really it all, uh, it, it, was, it was kind of a... Um, it was kismet when it all happened. I, you know, there was an opportunity that came up where Rivals.com was looking for somebody to to publish a University of Utah site. There was an appetite uh, at the U for somebody to actually cover recruiting because uh, the teams that were getting their recruiting covered, you know, they appeared to be big teams in terms of, of a, or they had higher profile with, with recruits. And so there was an appetite for people to do just that. And uh, um, they, so... You know, I, I, I got connected with Tom Cella, who was my partner at the time, and, you know, we, we started things. You know, I had studied journalism. I'd, I'd, been, I'd written for newspapers in the past, although my career path had t- taken me elsewhere, so it was a, an opportunity for me. Good to move, get... Dan, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm still in that world because I'm a PR <laughs> guy uh, anyway but uh, uh, in my day job. But, but really, you know, just kind of started it as a labor of love and, and, you know, just having fun, you know, covering recruiting and, and, and high school kids. And, and really that's what it's all about for me even to this day is – it's a lot of fun to watch these these really young, promising players as as they they grow and they develop in their careers, and you know when they commit to Utah or not. You know, it's kind of fun to to watch them as, as they progress, and then once, of course, they get on the hill, and to be able to to cover them from high school through Utah, and oftentimes all the way through the NFL, has has been a real treat to be to do that over the last fifteen years or so. Are there any special guys or guys that come to mind when you think about that journey that you? Kind of followed from high school to the NFL. You know, actually, one that happened today. I, I bumped into Stevenson Sylvester today at at the, the Silicon Slopes convention, and uh, you know, he once again a guy that I met him. I met him in person uh, while he was still a recruit. Uh, you know, coming out of Las Vegas, and right. immediately liked him. Uh, immediately, He's knew, a great guy. Absolutely loved his personality before we really knew much about him as a football player, even. And so to watch him come on and be excited about him and covering his recruitment uh, and then watch him develop and blossom and grow as a Utah player and then on through to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills and then now he's come back to Salt Lake now that his NFL career is over and and he's really you know giving back to the community and he's doing some cool things as, as, as a business owner and so and, and to be able to have a friendship and a kind of a man-to-man friendship is, is, is pretty cool so that's that's just one example of, of many do you have a trained eye now? Can you kind of look at a kid in high school and kind of project out how he can be, or or do you get surprised? Every once in a while, you do get surprised, but you know there are things that we look for when when we're looking at guys, and especially in the Pac-12. You know, uh, at, at some 
in, in some ways, genetics comes to play, right? So okay. you have to be, you know, big enough, strong enough, fast enough. And, and so, you know, you're able to train your eye uh, uh, pretty well in terms of, of what that looks like. So what does a, a Pac-12 caliber offensive lineman look like in terms of, of being tall and long levered? And what do his feet look like? And, and what does his body and his frame look like in terms of being able to put on weight? You know, you look at the speed. You look at when you look at a cornerback, you know, you look at his hips and, 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 and whether he can, you know, transition in in and out of, uh, of, of, of his back pedal easily. You know, you look at, you know, when you look at linebackers, do they play with violence? Do they accelerate through contact as opposed to slowing down before contact? You know, those types of things. So you look at a lot of those types of things and you're able to tell whether, at least whether the pieces are in place or whether it makes sense that he would be able to play in a program like Utah's. Yeah. Well, Dan, we're fil- uh, taping this early in the week before letter of intent day. Um, in general terms, how do you think things look for the Utes this year? I think it's a, a good class with, with a couple of caveats. It's, it's been a strange class because it's been small. There were very few graduating seniors. Uh, there were a few returning missionaries that were coming in on top of that. Uh, uh, there's been some weird things, and especially if you're a Utes own subscriber, you know, you've kind of been able to follow the drama throughout all of it. But, you know... It, it, Utah's done a really good job in filling their needs, and, and some of their needs have been filled in non-traditional ways, so Manny Bowen, the linebacker transfer from Penn State, bringing him in so he can step in and potentially start from day one. Cameron Rising, the quarterback transfer from Texas, you know, you know, while he's not going to show up on any recruiting list, you know, he's basically a, a recruit for this class, and you know, somebody that replaces Jack Tuttle, who transferred out and was a four-star kid, you know, and so Utah needed depth at that quarterback position, so they're able to that you know Ben Lannon, a guy that that I'm convinced is going to be the next Ray guy fi- finalist uh, uh, for the Utes. You know he's up. Yes, he's only a punter. You know uh, that's uh, you know air quotes only a punter. If if Tom Hackett's listening to this, he might get upset with me. But uh, <laughs> but you know um, former professional athlete in Australia uh, has all the potential in the world, and so uh, and, and Utah's done a really good job of, of filling most of the needs that they need, especially when you look at the needs for next season. You know, they're going to be well-positioned to be able to make a Pac-12 championship run, and they ha- will have gotten some help in that run from this recruiting class. Well, Dan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. All right, I got good news and bad news. Good news if you like the podcast, we're going to continue. Bad news, we're going to continue. Here we go with our final word. Uh, just a reminder this week, uh, Utah baseball had uh, Dusty Baker in for their annual fundraiser. Baseball got started, and uh, it should be exciting to see what they can do. Remember, they were the team that won the first Pac-12 championship at Utah. Every other year they've struggled, but maybe this is the year they bounce back. But uh, that's the big news this week. Um, Trent, lacrosse got started, didn't it? Yeah, they had their season opener on Saturday, I believe. They lost to Vermont in a not very close game, but, I mean, it was the first ever NCAA game for Utah. And then they have a, another game this Saturday at Judge Memorial High School against Mercer. So people who like lacrosse should go check it out. Get your tickets now. Mike, women's basketball, they uh, came up in the short end against the Oregon schools, but they're still a top 25 team. Yeah, I think that shows the uh, respect that the Utah women suddenly have. I mean, they lose two games, and they only drop 14th to 17th in the rankings 
which shows you how how tough and respected the Pac-12 is in, in women's basketball. So, and yet they were in both games. You know, both of them. One of them looked like a, a blowout, but they were actually tied with in the late in the third quarter, and the other one went to the fourth quarter before they lost by a few points. So they were in both games against two top ten teams, Oregon and Oregon State, and they'll be back home this week to play USC with the men being gone. They're they're home to play USC and UCLA on Friday and Sunday. So that's a good chance for for Ute fans to go out and support the women. A lot of good stuff. If you want to read about it, the best Utah coverage in the world is at DeseretNews.com. Come visit and read the wonderful work of the writers here. Just a reminder, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts or in Google Play or anywhere else. Find podcasts or download it. Subscribe now. We appreciate your listening, and we will see you later.